Residential Lighting Specialist to Arc Residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. In this episode, I'm joined by Heather Sidorowitz, owner of Southtown Audio Video in Hamburg, New York. She's also a Residential Tech Today contributing writer, former CDA board member, and most importantly, a good friend for many years. Heather, it's taken too long for me to have you on the podcast, so I'm really happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. I'm thrilled. Um, I'm really excited that we get to hang out. Absolutely. And you know, we'll probably end up talking a lot about fun stuff as well as business stuff, because that's the way it is with friends. But uh, I wanted to dive right in to talk about how did we meet? How did we start working together? What is your memory of how it all came together for us? All right. So here's my memory. So a few years ago, actually, it's like many years ago now, um, Cedia had this competition. They called it the Cedia Tweeps competition. And they chose 10 people from across the country. I think it was before they were global. Um, and what you won was your, your hotel at Cedia. And so I was super excited to enter this. And it was about um, if you won this competition, one of 10, you talked about how great Cedia was on Twitter and social media. And that helped them obviously get more people to register. So I was chosen. I didn't really know that many people at the time. And also John Siaka was chosen. So he said to me like, hey, I want to get to know everybody who's been chosen. Can you write a little bit about yourself, where you came from? Now, I thought I, I wrote probably multiple paragraphs and mm -hmm. it probably exists somewhere on the ether for John. Um, and really, he was just looking for a few sentences. And mm -hmm. so John said, hey, you know, yeah, it's kind of a knack for this writing thing. You, you know, I'd love, you know, you do more. And I said, absolutely not. I'm a terrible speller. I'm not a writer. I, you know, you're, you're wrong. And I remember him saying, um, it's funny because you have, you know, you have those virtual, me those memories of where you know where you were. Mm -hmm. I remember I was at like swim lessons for my kids at the time. <laughs> That's funny. And he said, you know, Hey, I showed this to my editor and he, he's really interested. And uh -huh. I thought, oh, like, oh my gosh, this guy, this, this and, and who is that editor. really smart editor guy? <laughs> who is that? You. that oh, that was you. me. Oh, so, awesome. um, yeah, so you said, well, you know, I usually can give you an idea and we'll see if that idea works. And then, I don't know, I had, I had been, I heard on the radio that that year they had added the term man cave hmm. to the encyclopedia and um, to the dictionary. And I thought, well, that's kind of silly to me. And so I wrote the article that said the man cave is dead. Now, the concept, <laughs> if you read the article, was the, con the, the term man cave, right? Like everybody's yeah. watching it, the family spaces, but just the, you know, the, the name of the article was the man cave is dead. Well, lo and behold, that ended up being like one of the most popular articles of the year. And you said to me, write for me anytime. You don't have to bring it, you know, don't, you don't have to give me ideas first. So that yeah. was my first venture into writing. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was racking my brain for how it all started. And I, I knew it happened through writing and that you were writing for us before I really knew, knew you personally, but, uh, and you got like a lot of flack from that too, I believe. Well, I and, and it goes back to headline writing. Yeah. And then you get into the story and it's not really that it's just a shortcut to get to the point. And, um, and, and yeah, people didn't want it to be like, first you take away our home theater trend and now you're going to take away our man cave. It's like the only thing we're making money off of right now, you know, and that's where it went. And it wasn't about that. It was just, it was just kind of like that term is so gross, you know, yeah. like nobody likes it. I mean, 
was it the she shed now? <laughs> she shed. <laughs> right. But yeah, but it's just dumb. It's just marketing. But um, so what happened though was it, it, it's amazing because you know Malcolm Gladwell, the author is he's the the ten thousand hours guy and the yeah um, all that. He's he's kind of one of these guys that analyzes statistics and comes up with trends and ways ways to analyze how our society works. And one of the things he he talked about in the book, The Tipping Point which you've heard probably referenced a lot as a, just a generic thing, the tipping point on a, on a trend or whatever, was this idea of connectors. And I believe John Siaka is a connector. No, he, he's the apex. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he, there are multiple things that have happened, but two of the major ones for me as, a, as an editor were him sort of validating Todd Puma, who at, the fir at first I was like, I'm not sure what to make of this guy. He's He's kind of like this New Jersey hyperkinetic kind of personality, and I'm not sure I have the energy for him <laughs> as an editor, and and I don't know if his writing's really what we want. And then John interviewed him, and it sort of like validated him. And I thought, okay. And then John is always like the worst critic of the people that he sort of endorses because he's jealous and he wants to be the only writer. So, so he, he makes the these things happen. I know he's gonna. He's not. I yeah, don't them. listen to this podcast. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so then you were another one at that around the same time. Yeah. So the great thing was when we were in Denver, I think it was, and we had a dinner together, and it was just this was many years later, but I it, felt like I was with celebrities. I yeah. remember like we walked from like the CD Award show, and we had burgers or something. Oh well, I that was in Indianapolis. That, that was that, that was a big deal for me because that was the year that I and I'm I feel like all I do is now talk about my CDO fellow like I'm like bragging, but it, no, it, it's so cool. It was a major um memory for me. And that night I was able to share it actually with my wife who attended the yep, CD she was Awards, there. Karen and she never goes to any industry events and it was just a big deal that night. And there you were and I believe Brian was with Brian her, was there too. Her sister my husband. Even. Yeah, Brian, your husband, and and your sister was there as well. So she was still working with you, and and so that was that was a really cool night. And and you were making such a ridiculous big deal about being <laughs> in pretty, the presence of I celebrity. Felt special. Yeah, we were just we were, we're because we're there's not. some things about high school that are just always inherent, right? When you sit, someone says, "Hey, you want to sit at my table?" When you're at a networking event, I'm like, "Yes, thank you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, for me, it was always so hard to get to know people who I had a relationship through just the writing, um, the, the editing. Um, I, I, I rarely made that leap to start, sort of becoming social friends, you know, at events, because I just, it's just not my personality type. Like kind of keep people at and a Look distance. at you now, you're on podcasts. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. Everything, you're still outside <laughs> your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, it is out of my comfort zone, but I'm still in my own surroundings, so I'm able to make it work. Um, anything to not go to an event in person i'm good like this has been the you would be on stage you were very nervous what's that you would be on stage you were very nervous oh, that, and that yeah 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 that was always yeah very very taxing for me but anyway that 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 sort of all came together but what the dinner i was talking about was was a couple of years past that when we kind of had a little reunion with uh john and, and and todd and we we went out in denver and it was just the four of us. There's a picture that came up recently on Facebook that I reposted because of all of our CDA memories would come up. And, and that was really cool because then we were all just sort of on the same, you know, we, we, <laughs> there's no more celebrity worshiping. It was just, we we're all happy to be friends and get together. And yeah. So we've come a long Absolutely. way, but mm -hmm. I, I did want to, you know, um, talk about your, your background because, um, 
your 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 story about how you became a company owner is really cool and we'll, we'll get there but I wanted to talk about your personal background before you kind of got into the industry. What were you doing that led you to um, the CDA business? Um, gosh, okay. So I secretly, um, I went to college. I was an, a, a theater major, so I was an actor oh, okay. and realized, um, I think my junior or senior year, you know, I really don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so try to get a marketing minor at that point um, did an internship with the marketing department, but didn't want to stay in school either. So I always, so my clever thing I would put on my resume after that was I have a theater major, but a concentration in marketing. So I was like making up my own terms. <laughs> um, I went into development for a while. And then after nine 11 happened, I, um, I was at the American Heart Association at the time and they lost the funding. So I lost my job and I was unemployed for a while. So you know, like I think like so many people are going through this sort of thing now yeah. um, and not really sure what I wanted to do with my life at all. So I had some sales background. I actually sold pagers for a while, oh. <laughs> um, which was actually my, my funny story on that is um, they had come out with a pager and this is like, this had to be around the year 2000 okay. and you could email it to, to, you could email to the pager versus uh, just leave the number for, for the kids listening who don't remember what a pager is, mm -hmm. call it and then you could put your phone number in and then eventually they would call you back. Right. Um, and it was email. And then, so I came up with the slogan email from the palm of your hand mm -hmm. and they flew it around the Bills stadium. I got tickets to the bills and then the company went out of business because nobody wanted pagers and who would have these devices that you would email to? Well, lo and behold, a few years later, iPhone, smartphones. Yeah. Um, so I, I think around that same time, my father who had owned uh, Southtown audio video at the time um, invited Brian and I to uh, CES. So way before I understood what it was, that was back in like, I remember we, we went to um, after when we went back to like the show another day because they were giving away a Palm Pilot. Oh, and okay. who's the best Palm OS? I still have that phrase in my head. <laughs> like, who's the best Palm OS? Yeah. And um, so I guess I almost joke, like I said to my father, like, were you incepting me back then? And he said, no, <laughs> no, it was just fun to travel with you. Okay. Um, but it was kind of like he did, right? So I didn't even know that I was interested, except I was becoming interested. So, so a little side note, by the way, yeah. I, I have a, a memory of having a handspring, which is like the Palm Pilot competitor that, of course, I had the lame, you know, off-brand version of it. And I went to a CES with that. And I thought, I'm going to have my schedule on this thing. And it was me sitting at a like a busy press lunch, you know, with a million people in a tent going, this thing, I don't even understand how the lettering, like, how do I draw on this thing to make letter? It was terrible. Like, I... Yeah. I, I, that was definitely like, like eight hours and how to learn to use it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like a connecting technology that just wasn't meant to last wasn't there yet mm -hmm. for sure. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then there's the famous story that I've told so many times. So I'm sorry if you've heard this before other people who are listening. Um, but I went to a home show around that same time that I was unemployed or working, doing some side jobs and saw, um, another AV company who was doing a surround sound demo. Now surround sound somebody was something I was familiar with because I grew up with it. I remember laying on the floor with my father's huge subwoofer rattling and laser discs, right? So I saw all those technologies happening. You know, laser discs where it would 
end and you'd have to get up and you have to flip the laser disc and sit <laughs> back down and watch the rest of your movie. Yeah. But it was, you know, this groundbreaking technology at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but so this was a, a demo of the matrix and everybody dies in the matrix unless you see the matrix and then you know they're not really people. And I remember seeing the kids watching this thinking like, Maybe that's not super smart decision. Right. Um, and I thought, you know, I think I could do this and I think I could do it better. And be, be more be more family oriented with yeah, what just we presented. A different approach um, yeah. from what this, you know, just it sounds great. Right. And therefore you should buy it. So um yeah, so I called my dad and said, I think I wanna hang out with you and well, so your dad, when when he founded the company, was in 1984, was he he was really into um into satellite TV installations? He was. Stuff? So he was um he like did audio for a band. He was just like an audio. I, he actually even did. He was in Vietnam, so he was a, a vet, and he came back, and he had. I think he worked on like um I want to say walkie talkies, but walkie like CB radios, whatever that. Oh, yeah. sure. So he had like some technology experience in that, even even back in Vietnam. And so when he came back, he worked for um, another company and joked with a friend, like, maybe I'll start my own company. And his boss heard him say that and said, okay, you're fired. Oh. And so he said, okay, I guess I'm going to do this. Okay. And so there's some like fun stories about, um, you know, he bought, he bought everything on credit at the time and mm. the alarm wasn't up and running yet. So he would sleep overnight there until the <laughs> alarm was working. I mean, like, cause there was, this is before computers and all that. Right. Yeah. So it is definitely this company is found on his blood, sweat, and tears, and well, all well, of those. So when you saw this, uh, went to this home show, how far along was his evolution as a company from where he'd Pretty started? Pretty far, right? So he'd gone from a hi-fi shop is what he opened, you know, big tower speakers. And he was really smart to change and evolve. He rented out beta and VHS tapes. And I remember like, you know, be kind, rewind. And mm -hmm. he would, after school, I would rewind tapes, you know, the, the people who did not, who were not kind and did not rewind. Okay. Um, he sold big satellite dishes. And I remember as a kid, um, all the bars would call him and be like, hey, Tommy, like what satellites the, the game going to be on today? Mm. And it would drive my mom crazy. We got an unlisted number, which was a big deal back then. Mm. And then I would have friends over and we would switch from like G1 to F1 and you'd run outside and look up so you could watch the satellite dish slowly turn. Because cool. we didn't have <laughs> electronics. We didn't have iPhones to play on back then. Uh -huh. You're the country. Um, right, right. And then small satellite dishes. And so when I got there, it was small satellite dishes. He was selling like Sony, Vega, Vega TVs. Mm -hmm. You know, they were flat screens, right? When they went from curved to like oh, flat yeah. and 300 pounds. And... Um, it was really kind of before home theater was catching on. Like, so I was there for that beginning. Um, and I remember locals was a huge deal. Oh, local channels on satellite finally. Oh, okay. So, and I've been part of the other changes since. So were you, um, what were you doing um, as the, I guess you saw this uh, opportunity with, you know, the matrix, that part of the story. So you're, this was. Yeah, I had no idea what to do from there. So okay. He put a desk in the speaker listening room and okay. I read magazines and I tried to come. I mean, this is really as the internet is even starting, right? I remember yeah. um, I, <laughs> we bought through a distributor back then called Perfect 10. And if you put in Perfect 10, it was not the website that you would think it was. Um, it was like perfect10.tv, which was a very, sometimes I think they did that on purpose. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. So, and that, and going to Cedia is, and that's really where I got my Cedia feet wet because mm. I would go with so much excitement and thirst for knowledge. That's really where I would learn. I would each year I would take a different, you know, one year I would do it on, okay, I'm going to do all the audio listening classes. Mm. Okay. This year I'm going to do um, everything about video this year. I'm going to do stuff about business. And so every year I would go, I would just take as many classes as I could, I could, and just get as much knowledge as I could talk to as many people as I could. So that's really, that's why I think I'll always have that connection in my heart because that's where I learned. Um, my dad is a tough guy. So he's not like the arm around you. Let me teach you everything I know. It was kind of more <laughs> trial by fire. Right. So and then he could trust me. So he'd be like, I'm, I'm going to go and he might not come back. If you come okay. in and ask questions like, um, I don't know. <laughs> Let me look it up in this magazine. Maybe it's yeah. in here. So you're sitting at this desk with people, customers actually come in and you oh, yeah. engage with them. And this them is and... back in the days, like you bring the chair and you bring your CD in. You're like, I'm going to listen to the whole CD because I need to understand these speakers. Oh, okay. It's like just sitting there and clicking away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, what, how, you, you're, you eventually bought the company from your dad. So how did yeah. that part of the uh, evolution happen? In 2012, um, I had gone through this business class um, and through a university here called the Center for Entre Entrepreneurial Leadership. And um, at that time, there was a 0% chance I was ever going to purchase the company. Hmm. Um, but that I got my, I just learned that I had more value than I think I realized I had. And going through that class, they ask a lot of questions about your finances. When's the last time you looked at a balance sheet? When's the last time you looked at your profit and loss? And I hadn't ever seen any of those things. Mm. So that just forced me to look at the business from a very different perspective, not just how big of a sale can I make? Yeah. Um, and I was doing a lot of it by then. I was already managing and hiring and firing. And mm. I changed the direction a little bit at that time. And so after all of that, I just said, went home to my husband and said, you know, I, I don't know. And he said, just let's make an offer. And so we made an offer and we did some back and forth and 2014 purchased the company outright. I love that. It's like a negotiation with your dad. It was a negotiation and it wasn't, I mean, I love my father. We get along really well now, but yeah. there was, it was not easy and it was not sunshines and roses. There was times that he wasn't speaking to me. It was oh, not, it was tough. It was a dark time to go through that. And because it was who he was. It wasn't, you know, yeah, it was identity, identity yeah. was, was really tied up in, in that. Well, how, how was he getting near retirement age at least at that point? Oh yeah. He's like in his seventies now. So mm -hmm. I, I mean, six years ago, he was 65 ish, maybe past 65. So certainly at the age and, you know, it was, a so we purchased the, I purchased the company already in 2014. And then the property that we it, it's on a year later so he there's certainly a nice retirement in that okay so he so he was a landlord as well for a little while while you were owning the business that it was on yeah yeah, yeah. but uh so he's got something to, solid to live off of from that and you, you did it in the right way you weren't just handed <laughs> the keys to the no I was not handed the keys. yeah and yeah. i i think that a lot of second generations almost expects that to happen like, yeah. or you wait till that happens. Oh, well, if something happens and it will be mine. Mm -hmm. And I remember someone saying to me, like, you have no right to this. Yeah, I you agree with no that right approach. And I, I think that's kind of, the right way to do it. Yeah, shocking to hear, but totally, absolutely correct. Yeah. So what were some of the things that 
was was it hard for him to to not hang around after it wasn't his it was the, that transition was definitely hard to find like the right place for him and and the right wage for him and now we're at a good space like so now he just he kind of peters around he doesn't have to come in so it's <laughs> not the extra stress of like i have to get this done mm-hmm. but then he still has a place to go and and he comes in for the coffee and the donut and the Monday <laughs> so he was an employee after the purchase he was yeah he's down he's still on but not much like a day okay week. yeah yeah he's, he's weaning himself off of the need to be there <laughs> yeah that's got to be tough um so so what were some of the things you were able to do once uh you owned it actually and weren't having to be, basically butt heads with your dad about what to do so um there's some really big pieces so during that time a walmart had opened up down the street and we were you know, we had about 20, 25 displays, TVs here and two different surround sound systems and all that jazz. And you could just see retail was changing, right? People who, you know, they used to come in six different times to look at different TVs side by side and have a big conversation about what's the difference between standard definition and high definition. And, and so we had grown through all of that. I had done um, back at that same home show um, courses on teaching other people about what the difference was, what's the difference between plasma and LCD, you know, all the great, amazing things people used to think about plasma, you know, that it had to be refilled or it leaked or it would, all sorts of fun stuff. Right. Um, and then seeing that retail was changing, um, Amazon obviously growing at that same time, um, that about, I think, I feel it's like about two years ago now, we closed our retail doors um, and decided to become appointment only. And mm. that had to do a lot with before that we had closed Saturdays and we stopped being open until eight o'clock. And it was, it was, it took years to get there at the yeah. same time, our commercial business was growing. Right. So we grew up certainly as a residential business. Um, but Buffalo was starting to have a Renaissance. There was a new medical campus going in. There was a lot of building happening and could see, you know, there could be a place here. Mm-hmm. And um, because we offered commercial business, the same type of attention that we did with residential business, we doubled in one year. Um, that was 2015. Mm. Um, unexpectedly, we didn't expect to grow that big and that fast. Um, and it was that was another fun, overwhelming piece to go through. Um, but people really do. I mean, people want to be treated well. It doesn't matter whether you're a part of a billion dollar company or you're, you know, just getting some Sonos installed in your house. They just um, so that was, I think, maybe unexpected. So we kind of pulled back, put ourselves back together again, and, and now we continue to grow um, mostly in the commercial market and then what we call relationship residential, which means there, it's a two-way street. We're going to have a long-term relationship. It's not just installing a TV, although sometimes it is, but it's more often an entire room or I'm buying a new house or something beyond that, beyond product. Right, right. And so you've, you've built... Um, like everything, you built relationships on that commercial side and, and having those, um, the, the, the chances to kind of build off of each project, right? I mean, that, that's got to be a part of it. But you also have to know about technologies that are different than the res- residential side. Absolutely. I think that it's about selling solutions, not products. It's about, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to the shows when we could go to shows and mm-hmm. we're making sure that you're always selling the right thing, that you don't get caught in a just rinse and repeat, but am I solving the right problem yeah. by listening um, I remember early in CDA land, someone saying, do great work. You always have more business. And I, I live by that. I always want to be able to sleep at night. I always want to have a great culture. Those are the most important things to me. And if that organic growth continues to happen, that's great, but I don't need to take over the world. 
in an angry sort of way. Right, right. Well, I want to continue our conversation um, and then definitely start talking about your writing um, part of what you do and, and a little bit more of our relationship there. But uh, first, I need to take a short break for our sponsor. Thank you for listening to this episode of Residential Tech Talks. Today's show is brought to you by Why Reboot. Why Reboot specializes in creating commercial-grade networks that address the demand of advanced control and automation technologies for residential, commercial, and luxury marine environments. Why Reboot systems are comprised of the best gear in the industry, including the Paramount Access Point Mount, developed for integrators and interior designers. To learn more, go to whyreboot.com and accesspointmount.com. Welcome back. I'm talking to Southtown audio video owner and Residential Tech Today contributing writer, Heather Sidorowitz. Heather, um, you uh, were a member of the CEDIA board not too long ago, and I believe I was also there for your first meeting in Indianapolis um, as a member of the board. Is that correct? Was I there? That is correct. You were yeah. there. That, that's weird because I don't typically go to those meetings, but because I knew you would be there, um, I knew um, we, we would have some other, there were, there were several members of the board there that uh, I knew very well, and uh, it would just seem like a good chance to catch up. And then that's where uh, Tabitha um, was named, Tabitha O'Connor was named CEO. So that was also a very notable moment in, in you know, CEDIA history, I guess. Um, what did you, I know that it's hard to talk about CEDIA board stuff. It's often not public information, but what did you find that you got out of that experience as far as your volunteerism? Cause you've been a very active CEDIA volunteer prior to that. I had, yeah, I, I had been on their judging panel. I had, um, been their membership chair. I, I had done many different things throughout the years leading up to that moment. Um, and there had not been a female on the board for this 15 plus years mm. um and i'm a big proponent of you know be the change you want to see in the world so um i believe i was nominated by joe whitaker and i remember having this really big conversation with my husband my kids are still young um they still are young but younger and you know hey this is going to be a commitment i'm going to have to be part of this if, if we go for this and he was great go for it i support you um it was a it was a learning experience. It, I've been on boards before locally. Mm. Um, you know the whole yay or nay thing, the passing resolutions. I I understand the concept of it. I think what I learned most from the CD board was no one could speak, could have could could invoke the change. It was the board has to speak as one mm. or is supposed to speak as one. Um, and there's an outer board and an inner board. So that's not a secret. Anyone can see that that's- Like the um, executive committee. Together. Yeah, so there's an executive committee. That committee actually, the power controls, is, is actually the one making those bigger decisions. Hmm. So I think to make a, a big difference on the board, you have to, you'd commit multiple years. You'd have to do more than one term. Hmm. And I just didn't, as my business was growing, I only did one term. I, I pulled out after that. But before I pulled out, I made sure there was some pretty great people I personally nominated and talked to. So Jamie Breesmeister's on there, Amanda Wildman. Um, both of these women are fierce and amazing and strong. Yeah. So I, you know, part of me, it was sad because I would have loved to be on with them. I was the only one in the beginning. When CDA joined globally, um, Melanie was brought in from the UK, um, but we weren't close. Like we didn't know each other super well and we would see each other, you know, 
I think four times a year. Um, there was change bubbling then, and now I think we're seeing some of that change now. Yeah, I mean, clearly a big deal at the time was um, Tabitha being a female CEO. That was a huge female presence. But you know, you, you've you've played this role of being this female representative of the industry. But and it is hard to find owners, you know, of of customer integration. Owners, so I'm yeah. Yeah, you a lot of husband and wife teams, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, but you, you're always really quick to say, you know, people should be judged on their merits, not make this about gender right. or whatever. Right. Right. I, say, I want to win the sandbox with everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, so I love that. I love that you you play this really pivotal role, important role, and people try to put you in this like we need a female voice, and I'm here. I am. <laughs> I feel like I'm almost doing that Making too. Me female voice. It's, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's true, right? I was the first female that that did that, you know, and, and that was great. And I'm happy to be that person to invoke that change. But when people say like, oh, how can we get more women in and hire them? Like, it's not a, it's not a tough piece to do that. And it, and it, you know, I wouldn't say hire them over somebody else that might have more credentials, but there's a lot of females out there that I, I think don't even know that this is a job opportunity. Right. Um, so I've done that. Um, so I'll bring my sister into that mix. My sister was um, a head chef and we can, and I had, think I just lost someone and she said, Hey, I think that I would, might be interested in what you do. And that was around the same time I bought the company. And um, I said, okay, well, on your days off, come and check it out. Like you, you did. And she was at the installer side. Mm -hmm. So she was great at it. She was fantastic with customers, brought her in and she was with um, SAV for five years, five and a half years. Um, and she went off into the pro AV side. So it's mm. not that she, she didn't even leave the industry. So here is someone who was used to working nights and weekends and holidays and hot kitchens and yeah. thrilled to come over to the other side. Of <laughs> sure. Mostly, you know, nine to five, you know, some extended days, but, you know, and did great. She was, she was, and, and now she's gone beyond. So mm -hmm. I, I think that, you know, it, it has to do more with somebody's attitude that, and you can teach the rest. Right. Right. I mean, it, that, that's the thing. Um, Jamie is a great example of Breezemeister. She's um, again with her husband. That's a, that's a situation like you described Amanda Wildman. She's a great representative of the, um, um, industry as well. And, and, and then you start talking to people who are more in marketing roles in the company and that's good too. I mean, frankly, Absolutely. it doesn't have to be an owner. It's just having that voice in there and that perspective that you don't always have. And, and like, I, I haven't have been raised by a single mom. So I'm a very, have a very female sort of sensibility, uh, in a lot of the way, ways that I think, and I have to actually kind of work harder to be friends with guys because I don't really know how to hang with guys. We don't. I'm not a guy that talks about cars and and even with the tech stuff, I don't get into the tech as much as it's the experience. And so, right. I think that when I stop and think, okay, this is how a typical guy is going to sell this thing. That's not always the way it works. You know, it doesn't always affect people the same way. They like glaze over if you start talking about the you know the the you know the capabilities of the technology and i blaze over sometimes when i'm hearing about all that stuff so it's like what what's it actually achieving overall and uh not that you can't handle all that other stuff too it's just that you think about it from both sides you know and that that's yeah, and that's i think that, that either side is wrong like if you have all men and you don't have females you're missing something but i also think 
if you have all females and no men, you're right. I think that there's different um, there's different industries out there that become more female centric, and I think that that's a fail. Also, I think that you need an uh, an all white board is is wrong. Like it, you need the difference because that's how you get the 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 whole story. Right. And so I think it's important for us to look at that as an industry as humans that you know we all bleed red and we just come with different perspectives. So it's important to have all different sides. I always looked at being a female as a huge advantage because while the rest of them were talking, you know, technical specs and trying to make it complicated. And I remember seeing competitors um, quotes and I was, there's no way that a person would understand this quote. <laughs> Nobody, right. It was all about tech speak. So I always wanted to be the person who would give you the quote that you would understand what you're getting. And I still do that today. Yeah. I list out the equipment, I give you little pictures and I give you a scope too. Here's what it will do. Mm -hmm. So either side, any of those sides you're on, you'll be able to understand what you're getting. Um, because, you know, technology is, it should enhance your life. It should make life better. And if it's hard to use, you have to give an hour training to use any of it. It's my opinion is not worth the money. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to make life harder. You want to make it easier. You want to solve problems, not create them, all those, those things, you know, and it's not a perfect science either. It won't always yeah. work. Right. And I tell people that off the bat, technology is not a perfect science. What you need is someone that's going to answer the phone when you call, who's going yeah. to care to fix your problem when it breaks. For sure. Well, um, and, and so part of that perspective that you talk about is in your writing. And I think that one of the things that I always enjoy about what you come up with, and we worked with each other with residential systems, and that's how we met. And now with residential tech today, I'm honored that you continue to work with me on, on things. And, and, and it's kind of at that when you have an idea come to me, and I usually say yes. Um, there's uh, the latest one that we have posted is your comparison, which I thought was a good one of Amazon's generation for Echo Dot and Apple's um, new HomePod mini. And the first thing you point out is, did you notice how much they look alike, which is And odd. I hadn't seen anybody else mention that. Like, so I know, neither. Crunch and all these other ones. And I didn't see, I'm like, is nobody else caught that these things look like someone called somebody. So someone I knows know, somebody. I know. It's like when movies come out, there's like two movies that are like basically the same movie. It's like, right. how did that happen? So it's like this globe basically on both of them, which is a totally different look than like an Echo Dot, which is a little disc or, you know, the um, HomePod, you know, the the minis are, you know, the Apple right. products are, are definitely a different look. So, um, so why don't you... Um, Explain what your some of your thoughts were on the advantages or what so, pros and cons of these products are. There are some neat features that Apple's adding that, and I and I I'll, I'll give a, a I'll say that I live with Echo, um, so mm -hmm. I live with with that, and I use that on a daily basis. So I'm quite used to that one. Um, I think that with some things that that Apple introduced was one of the things was intercom. So intercom was. Not only, so with Echo, you can announce, um, Alexa announced dinner's ready. And then all the other Echo devices in your house will say dinner's ready because it just records and plays back. With Apple intercom, you could go room to room. So I could go something specifically, but also if you're in the Apple, Apple ecosystem and many people who have one Apple product have multiple Apple products is, I could talk to your HomePods or your AirPods that, that are in your head. I can do it from CarPlay on my way home and say, on my way with Chinese food, and and even if you have those um, AirPods in your head, you're you're going to hear that as well. Right. So I think that those are some neat different differentiators. 
Um, another one was more of a handoff piece. So from listening to this amazing podcast in my car and I pull in um, and I just can't miss, you know, any, any of it. I bring it inside, bring it next to um, the HomePod mini and it would continue to play on that. So there's some different pieces. I think that the biggest one though, reason that people would go Apple versus Alexa or Amazon is privacy. Apple's made a really big deal that they are the ones that are the most private, that they're not recording your information. They're also not a data mining company like Amazon is. So I think that someone who's really concerned about that, but still wants a voice assistant, an intelligent voice assistant in their world, that would be a reason I could see someone going down that road versus Alexa road. Do you find that in your... I would imagine it's more in the residential part of your business than than commercial, but that you're that you're integrating in voice very much, or do you find it as we a, always give know? the opportunity because I think again, right? So technology should be about improving quality of life. That's why I think we the only reason that people are buying any of the stuff we do. Um, so I always think of it as how I use it and how it can enhance someone's world. So simple things like if I'm making dinner and I have raw chicken in my hand, but I want to play music, I can say, Alexa, play the Beatles in the kitchen and it will play through, which is connected to my Sonos system. So that will just start and I don't have to wash my hands and I don't have to touch anything. Like that's mm -hmm. a quality of life piece. Or um, the other one, my number one is um, add such and such to my shopping list. Mm -hmm. Add right to my shopping list. And it doesn't have to be me. It can be anyone in my family. So as soon as the kids run out of something, they know to add it, the husband can add it. Now I run to the grocery store. That is all on one single list. Um, that's a huge, for a working mom, owning the company, raising kids, like that little stupid thing is so important right. and helps out a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a excellent example of the use cases that you're able to come up with that um, some of my other writers don't necessarily have um, in their perspective, but, um, what about streaming devices? We've talked about, um, I know back, one of the things you pointed out way, way back when Netflix first had uh, family member options put in their system. So you could say, this is Heather's, you know, favorites or whatever, that type of thing. I was like, hey, I didn't even know that was a new thing. And then there it was. And these are little simple things, but very much into, of interest to your clients, you know, or potential clients. So sure. um, right. you so have a favorite. I was just going to ask you, do you have a favorite streaming device now um, that you like to? Well, I currently am living, I mean, my, I only stream off Apple TV now. I've cut my cord. Um, I've written about that two different times, once when I did it and once a year later. Um, and I don't, I would never go back. So mm -hmm. especially today. So we've actually been doing, um, from a business standpoint, we have Spectrum here in, in Buffalo. We've been doing Spectrum app on Apple TV. So what that allows for, again, if we go back to quality of life, simple to use is one input. So now I'm getting rid of a really expensive remote. Now, maybe I'm a bad salesperson because of that, except that the user experience is so much nicer. Mm -hmm. One remote, Apple, you know, you're using that Apple remote, you can say, show Tom Hanks movies, put your Netflix on it, put your Google on it, put your Spectrum on it, you have everything you need. Mm -hmm. um, I don't watch live TV and I try to stay away from the news because it's super depressing and angry. <laughs> yeah. Because um, out in the wild, most people are good people. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so, and then, you know, watching probably mostly Netflix depends on the show. I'm like very show centric. I have to go like through the whole, we just finished Ozark. 
uh-huh. and go through the hall every night. Like, what's the next episode? What's going on with the birds? <laughs> right. Com- you're a completist on yes, certain I'm a things. Completist. Yeah. Yeah, Same yeah. Thing with books. I have to read the whole book. Never two at the same time. My 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 neighbor turned me on to The Boys, which is on um, Amazon Prime, and I was like, I don't want a new thing. I have to watch everything of, but it's only two seasons, and it's pretty weird. It's a superhero kind of thing, which I'm usually not into, but it's 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 interesting. For big Marvel um, fans in my house. I'm oh, you are about. okay. Well, uh, I, I I ran out of steam on Ozark. It was too um, too violent. too violent, too dark, and I just couldn't have that and the news in my life. So I stopped watching in the final season. And I do need to finish it. I want to know where we are, but I oh, it's hard to go back to. Yeah, um, that, that last that last episode. I was like this. <gasps> oh no. Okay. Well, maybe that'll draw me in again. Um, so. Not to end on a bummer of a note, but I, I have to talk to everybody about the way that COVID-19 has changed their business and their personal lives. So you, you went through, I know I read your article with um, Lenore Elaine um, on AV Nation that was really helpful, but uh, you talked about those early days of working from your kitchen table or dining room table, uh, managing your team remotely. Uh, how have things evolved? Uh, have you been able to get back to a little bit of normalcy with the way you manage things? Or are you still pretty much doing everything from kind of a distance with your team? No, we are. I mean, really, the only way you can tell that things are different is because we have masks on, you know, out in the field. Um, but other than that, we are at 100%, 120% capacity. Um, what happened is all those jobs that got paused, um, and especially on the commercial side, contracts that went through where they would have taken an entire year to complete or months to complete all ended up on top of each other. So now we are at maximum capacity, beyond capacity of trying to complete these jobs on time and on budget. And it makes me grateful and thankful, A, to have work and be busy, but also to have known well enough to treat people well during that dark time. We didn't furlough anybody. Mm. Um, If they wanted to take some time, we did. offer trainings that they could keep their hours, keep their paychecks, um, you know, treat people like humans. It's a crazy philosophy. Um, in that, because of schooling and those things too, um, my, my, uh, my tech other, my other tech person, salesperson who does most of the residential work, what we did for her is got her a laptop. We mirrored her VoIP phone. She has the exact same setup at home. And I allow her to go from work actual office to home anytime so she's task oriented versus time oriented and she's actually more hours and getting more done so i think like as a society that's that's a huge piece if we could trust people more and have them be stop looking at as i want to pay you this much money per year and Mm -hmm. i expect from you this many hours what if we said hey i need you to do this many things you have to you have to complete these tasks and I'm willing to pay you for that. Right. I think that would make a huge change in our current society. And, and it would, you know, some people are really good at their time and some people don't manage their time well at all. Right. Um, so yeah, I, we're, we're very busy right now. And I'm again, really grateful for that. Um, I worry more about what next year will bring and how much things will change moving forward. Yeah, I know there there are a lot of question marks of how long this thing is going to last, and it's not it's not getting fixed overnight for sure. But uh, it sounds like at least in our industry, um, as companies kind of get back on track and are still investing, and in homeowners continue to just 
look at their walls because we're all a lot we're at home a lot more and want to improve things that things are at least good in our little corner of the world um what are you seeing in terms of actual technical changes are you finding that remote service is more uh, appealing to clients or are the you biggest change I've physically seen is the expansion of Wi-Fi networks. So oh, sure. a year ago, if I said to someone, Hey, it's going to cost you maybe $1,200 to expand your Wi-Fi to your 25, 3,500 square foot house. Someone would have said like, never call me again, lose my <laughs> number. You're insane. And now they're saying, can you come tomorrow? Yeah. So something that was really invisible before that nobody understood and didn't trust now that they're doing a video call while the kids are watching Netflix. Yeah. And I mean, I've had those, I've been on those calls where someone's like, hold on, I got to go tell my kids to turn off Netflix because you're cutting out. Right. <laughs> it, it's much more tangible than it's ever been before. So sure. I see it. I see that as, as quite the booming market. And that will continue because a lot of companies are either not going back, not going back full time. I think it's going to be this hybrid model as we move forward. Yeah, I think so too. Well, um, I, I will wrap it up on that note. Uh, Heather, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It is always a pleasure. I, I just wish that we were closer and could be, have some drinks. Absolutely. <laughs> One of these days it'll happen again. I know. <laughs> and also thanks to everyone for joining us. Be sure to comment, share, or subscribe to the podcast. And you can check out all the latest residential tech news at restechtoday.com. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.